0: And if you happen to be in the Kansas City area anytime soon, we'd love to have you join us for one of our live gatherings to connect with you in person. Again, thanks for joining us today, and we hope that you enjoy today's message. I want to start out today with an an ancient Chinese proverb that you might be familiar with, and it simply says that a journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. That's true. Now I want you to imagine that on like a motivational poster you Because know? typically, uh, we say that in terms of getting people motivated to do something. You think about a big project you have, maybe at work or at your house, uh, or you know, men, your honey-do list that you probably have, and you're thinking, I am never going to accomplish this. I'm never even going to like get anything done, so why do I even bother? Well, this is to help us motivate. Well, you've got to start somewhere. You've got to take the first step. Yes, there's a long way to go. There's a big goal. It seems really, really far out, but you can do it, but you're never going to do it if you don't take that first step so that's how we use that in a positive uh, motivating sort of factor however this also can have can mean the same thing for an inverse way and that's what we're going to focus on the next three weeks so in life every step you take is important and every decision that you make is important because they build on themselves and that is true for better or for worse For good or for bad, in a positive way or in a negative way. Have you ever seen somebody or known somebody that just totally ruined their life in some way? Typically, how that happens is one step at a time. Typically, it's one decision at a time it's not all of a sudden their life is fantastic and the next day it's awful now that can happen tragedy does strike but more often than not the type of people that you and i know that we've just seen them slowly spiral out of control it happened day after day moment after moment poor decision after poor decision so maybe you know someone who's in they've had terrible uh you know relationship status before right so that first they find the wrong person that's not good for them and then they stick with them day after day even though people on the outside have probably said they're not good for you you're not they're they're not helping you they're dragging you down they're they're having a, a poor influence on you right it could just be a friend it could be you know a more personal relationship sort of thing it could be a spouse right so you probably have seen someone maybe even been in one of those relationships And so we talked about people that tell you from the outside. We'll talk about that in a couple weeks, how the voices that we make can affect the choices, or the the voices that we listen to can affect the choices that we make. So that's in a couple weeks. Um, and And it's the same thing with any sort of downward spiral that we see from anyone. It's step by step, decision by decision, because... A journey of a thousand miles, whether positively or negatively, begins with a single step and continues step by step. So with that thought in mind, this week we're starting a series called How to Get Out of Your Own Way. What we're trying to do is to accomplish what we just, or to really defeat what we just talked about. How we can see the steps that we're taking are leading us down a path that we don't want to go. How the decisions that we're making are taking us, you know, I, didn't, I never thought I would be here. Well, if you retrace your steps, you'll find out where that started. And so what we're doing is trying to set up sort of these guardrails, these barriers to say, stop, no, reverse course, you know, abort mission, all those types of things. We're going to look really at three strategies on how to get out of and how to stay out of our own way. It's this idea of self-sabotage where I am my own worst enemy sometimes, <clears throat> uh, and, that, and there's really two reasons for self-sabotage. One of them is blind spots. We all have them. That's why we need people around us to help us say, hey, no, that, they're not good for you, or you probably shouldn't purchase that, or that's not going to go well if you go down that road. We need that because we have blind spots. There's also a second reason why we self-sabotage or a second way in which we do that, and that's what I would call pride spots. Because in your gut, most of the time, you know the right thing to do. In your heart, most of the time, we know what to do and what not to do, and we just choose to do what we want, even if it's to our detriment. That's a Pride spots. Sometimes we do have blind spots. I don't know any better. I didn't see this coming. You know, they they tricked me or I was fooled or misled or whatever, or I just didn't know. But sometimes we do see it and we just motor through anyway and we destroy our lives, our relationships, our finances. Every area of life is up for grabs in this idea of self-sabotage. Many times we get in our own way. So again, for the next three weeks, we're going to look at how do I get out of my own way and hopefully stay there? And we're going to look at three keys, one each week on how to accomplish that. So the first one we're going to look at this week, the the main idea today is to get out of our own way is simply this, pay attention to the tension. Now, this is a phrase that I'm borrowing, and this is not my own. Now, the one I'm using next week is mine. I will tell you that up front. This one I'm borrowing because it fits this description of what we're going to talk about perfectly. The first key to getting out of our own way is to pay attention to the tension. So I'll, I'll describe what that is in a moment. First, I want to illustrate it with a story from the Old Testament of the Bible. We're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 24. So if you have a Bible or you have your, your Bible app you want to follow along, we're going to work through a few verses in 1 Samuel chapter 24. Before we get into that specific story, let me kind of set up the back story. A lot of you may know the outlying details of where we're going to be, but it's going to set us up perfectly for where this story uh, just sort of kicks off. Okay. So we have King Saul. He's the first king of Israel ever in its history and he was okay for a while but then he really disobeyed God's commands one too many times and God rejected him as king he said you're done and not only that but your son will never be king and his like your line is over it ends with you it's one and done And so soon after, unbeknownst to King Saul, uh, the prophet who's in charge of anointing the next king finds a regular old shepherd boy, not old, he's young, he's like 15, 16 years old, named David, regular kid in a regular family, anoints him as the next king of Israel. And their paths collide, we talked about a couple months ago in a previous sermon, when David defeats the giant Goliath, right? We, that's a pretty classic story. That's where David goes from nobody to somebody in a hurry. He becomes an instant celebrity, okay, because he posted it on Instagram, so they knew it was really happening, because if you don't post it, it didn't happen. If you don't put it online, it never really existed, okay? So uh, David defeats Goliath. He becomes a national hero, and then soon after, he actually marries King Saul's daughter. He becomes the king's son-in-law. So what happens, though, to Saul is that he begins to literally go insane. So he loses his mind, he becomes extremely paranoid, he, beca- he just becomes erratic, and he directs that toward David, who we aren't sure completely if he knows at this point that David's the next in line, he finds it out later, so he, he becomes so antagonistic toward David that at least on two occasions, he attempts to kill David, who is his son-in-law. Right? So that's a messed up family right there. They've got some issues. They need some counseling. Dr. Phil, where are you? Let's get it right away. Maybe Jerry Springer. I don't know which kind of family they were. Either you're a Dr. Phil family or a Jerry Springer family. So anyway, so uh, David does the smart thing and he sort of runs. For his life. He just leaves everything and runs away. He is now a fugitive of the law. The king is after him. Even though he doesn't really have a reason to be, David's now a fugitive from the law. And as he runs sort of around the countryside trying to preserve his life, he sort of builds this, you know, he's kind of like Robin Hood. He builds a merry men, you know, this band of merry men, and basically people who are loyal to him. They, they maybe knew him from before, or they discover who he is. They, they've heard about his exploits in war, famous war hero, and so they, they align themselves. He's got a, you know, a small army, a couple hundred or so men who are loyal to him, and they travel throughout the countryside, throughout the, you know, the region, just trying to stay alive because they know the king and his vast army is out to get David, and so our job is to protect this guy. So that's where we find ourselves at, in, at the beginning of 1 Samuel chapter 24, is in this sort of scene. Saul, his basic mission now is to find David and kill him. And David's traveling with this group of, of men. So here we are, 1 Samuel 24, verse 1. It says, After Saul returned from fighting the Philistines, he was told that David had gone into the wilderness of Engedi. So Saul chose 3,000 elite troops from all Israel. So the best of the best, like we got the Navy SEALs here, 3,000 of them with Saul, he went to search for David and his men, a couple hundred of them, near the rocks of the wild goats. That's a region there. Verse 3, this is an interesting but very important detail. At the place where the road passes some sheepfolds, Saul went into a cave to relieve himself. Now you would think, well, (laughs) wait a second. The Bible's inspired, right? Yep. Every word, right? Yep. Why did God think this was important to let us know what Saul's doing right now? Couldn't we just skip that? No. This little detail here uh, is sort of embarrassing to Saul, you know, anyway. I mean, we all do it, right? So if this was like, hopefully he, you know, got toilet paper from the store before everybody went crazy. Hopefully he had some on him, you know. So he's there in this cave doing his stuff. But here's why this is important. The last half of verse 3 says this, But as it happened, David and his men were hiding farther back in that very cave. Sometimes the stars just align, don't they? Like sometimes a plan just comes together. Sometimes you get so lucky in certain situations you cannot believe what's going on. David and his men they hear Saul's looking for us. He knows kind of where we are. They, there's tons of caves in this region. There's there's mountains here, all sorts of caves. They hide in this one particular cave, hide in the back so Saul's caravan of you know army rangers can drive can go by and they can then leave unspotted but wouldn't you know it they like they're like okay they stopped in the middle of the road they've been stopped for a while what's going on all of a sudden they see this you know figure walking into the entrance of the cave and then he you know kind of maybe goes around the corner to do what he's going to do and they're like pretty sure that's Saul this is so weird you know it's like we've been They've kind of been looking for each other, like, you know, trying to scope out who's doing what. You know, they got their maps out and their little pieces. I think Saul's here. Let's move here. So they're very strategic, but it just so happens that this is kind of just laid in their lap. The very cave of all the dozens of caves, all the dozens of options that Saul could have chosen to do this, he goes in the exact one where David and his men are hiding. So here's what they say to David, his men. They say, Now's your opportunity. David's men whispered to him, oh, sorry, sorry, now's your opportunity. You know, I want to get it right here. They said, today the Lord is telling you, I will certainly put your enemy into your power to do with as you wish. So David crept forward and cut off a piece of the hem of Saul's robe, verse five, but then David's conscience began bothering him because he had cut Saul's robe. Again, it looks like in the... the David and his men see this as God has set you up here. The guy who's tried to kill you twice, who's hunting you with 3,000 of the best trained soldiers to kill you, like, he's right here. You can end this right now. And they're even saying, God has done, God's given you a victory here. Go, go do it, you know, just be done with this. And so it says, so, you know, David creeps up, and he kind of, you know, it's, I, I think of this where he cuts the little corner off his robe, I think of this as sort of like when you're in school, and you have, well, back in school, they used to have, you know, they would handwrite your grades on a report card, and they used to be A through F, now they're all typed up, and they're like random letters that I have to see what the chart on the front, what does that letter grade mean? Because it's not A through F anymore in elementary, it's just not, okay. So I'm thinking of like when you have that F and you try to change it into an A before you show your parents the report. That's kind of what David's doing here. He's testing the waters a little bit. He's trying to practice forging his dad's signature, you know, for the parent release form for the thing that he knows he won't be able to do. He's kind of doing that. He's cutting off the rope, seeing if Saul's going to hear him creeping up, and he cuts the corner off. And then it says, though, this is where we get into this idea, he felt tension about what he was about to do even though it seemed like god had set him up to do this he cuts the corner off and he's like okay he didn't hear me i'm like right here behind him and he feels something he's like "Ugh." so david paid attention to the tension and that's the same thing with us there are certain moments in life maybe even certain moments nearly every day where we're going to face this type of moment where maybe you're about to send a scathing email to somebody for something that they did to you, and you're about to hit send and you're like, ugh, okay? When that happens, pay attention to the tension. Maybe you get on this thread on social media and you're like, I'm gonna tell them how I feel, and right before you hit the enter button, right before you send that, you're like, hmm, maybe I shouldn't do that. Pay attention to the tension. Maybe you're planning to make a purchase and it's a large purchase and you're getting ready to, you know, hand over the plastic and you're like, ugh, maybe I should redo the number. Pay attention to the tension. Maybe at work you're about to speak up in a meeting and you're going to take credit for somebody else's work and you're like, hey, boss, and they're like, yeah, and you're like, uh, you know, pay attention to the tension. Maybe you're about to, you know, slam somebody, like you're just about to tell your neighbor about the neighbor across the street, what, what you know, the dirt you have on them, and you start to tell, and you're like, mm, and you think, well, do I have that right? is that Where did I hear that from? Pay attention to the tension, because again, every step that we take matters because they build on each other toward a destination. Every decision that we make matters because they build on each other to a certain result, if we're not careful, we're going to take the wrong steps and do the wrong things that then get ourselves in our own way. And we wonder, why am I broke? We wonder, why do I not have friends? We wonder, why did I get fired? Why, why, did, the, why did these things happen? Now, I will say, and we'll talk about this a little bit in the next couple weeks, not every bad thing that happens to us is our fault. Okay, there are circumstances that we can't control. There are things that we didn't have anything to do with, yet something bad or negative happened to us. But here, let me just give you a fact, and this is a fact that I know for sure, is that you and I have participated in 100% of our bad decisions. Again, not everything that happens to us is our fault, but every reaction that we have, we have to own. Every decision that we choose to make, we have to own. Every mistake that we find ourselves, how did I get here? We have to own. Every step we take matters because it builds on itself. Every decision that we make matters because it builds on itself. So we have to pay attention to the tension. Typically what we want to do is we want to resist that feeling because we don't like it. Ooh, I don't, ooh, that, er, mm, no, it goes against what I feel like I want to do we push, don't push it down. So here's, again, just a quick recommendation. Uh, Whenever you feel that tension, just stop for a second. Just take a time out, breathe, think about what you're doing, and then think about why I feel this. Maybe even take a second to pray about it. And you might say, well, that's not practical because I don't have all the time in the world to figure out every decision. Here's what I would say. Um, no decision is too urgent that it's worth wrecking that part of your life to just rush into, okay? No relationship is, is worth anything to just, I'm not going to pay attention to how it feels. This doesn't feel quite right. There's something here I'm not sure about. Nothing's worth wrecking just because, I, well, I'm on a time crunch here, all right? You know, I don't have time to weigh all the options. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm under a deadline, you know? Nothing is worth uh, making mistakes that lead to ultimate Regret. It's just not worth it. So sometimes the, the it's out of our control because we wait, we pay attention, and then the opportunity's gone probably was a good thing. When we look back on things that we missed out on that would have been terrible, we're like, okay, I'm glad I did not do that. Or I'm glad that I waited and that opportunity went away because that would not I wouldn't be where I am if I had said yes to that five years ago. I wouldn't be with who I am now if I'd said yes to them five years ago. So sometimes when we stop and things just disappear, that's good. So pay attention to the tension. So David pays attention to how he feels. Let's pick it up at verse number six. Here's what happens. David said to his men, he said, the Lord forbid that I should do this to my Lord, the King. I shouldn't attack the Lord's anointed one for the Lord himself has chosen him. So David restrained his men and did not let them kill Saul. David does two things here that are very important in, this, in these two verses. First, he makes the decision. He's about to do something. He feels the tension, and then he says, yeah, probably should not go through with that. So he made a decision to not go through with what he had every right to do. This man is out for blood. His father-in-law is trying to kill him. He has an army dedicated to his destruction. He probably, for his own self-preservation, should go through with killing Saul. But yet, I don't know why I feel like I shouldn't. He decides, I'm just not going to do it. Then what he does is equally important. In verse 7, he tells his men, hey, you guys can't do it either. Because I'm sure they're thinking, okay, okay, we get it. You don't want blood on your hands. The next king, we don't want... Because think about that story to his grandchildren. You know, if he had gone through and killed Saul in the cave, he's now the king, right? Rightfully, he's been anointed, Saul's dead, he's next in line. But just imagine 50 years later, you know, talking to his grandchildren. uh, Hey, can you tell us again how you became king and you killed, you know, your father-in-law? Probably doesn't want to tell that story, okay? And so he decides no. And then, but then his guys are like, okay, we get why you don't want to do it. We'll do it we have no problem killing this dude right here in the cave in the bathroom. No problem at all, David. Just give us the word and he's, he's gone. And he's like, nope, I'm not going to let you take the fall for this for me. I'm not going to let you do my dirty work. That's equally important and equally true for us as well. Just because I can't do it doesn't mean then that I'm going to allow someone else to kind of circumvent you know, my decision by, well, yeah, I'll do that for you and then it'll be fine. Ugh, does that make it any more right? Probably not. And it involves more people than have more regret. We've widened the circle of regret if we behave that way. So that's equally important. So Saul, or David decides not going to do it. He kind of goes back with his men. You know, Saul finishes up what he's doing. He walks out of the cave, goes back with his men, and they, they start to, you know, keep keep going. And then what David does is he comes out of the opening of the cave and he says, hey, Saul, you got a square to spare, bro? You know, I don't know if he he probably, he doesn't say that. It's not recorded in scripture. Um, He says, yeah, you got some toilet paper stuck on the bottom of your foot, Saul. You know, he doesn't say that. He gets out and he just basically says, hey, look where I was the whole time. And Saul's like, wasn't I just in that cave? And his men are like, weren't you just in that cave? And David's like, yeah, you were just in this cave. Isn't that cool? I was here the whole time. And he shows him the corner of the garment. He says, look at that. You see how close you were to, to not being alive anymore? Yeah. So he, he does this show in public for a specific reason. Then after he you know, reveals himself and what could have happened and what maybe should have happened, here's what he says in verse number 12 and verse number 15. So he's talking again uh, to Saul in front of everyone, and he says this. May the Lord judge between us. Perhaps the Lord will punish you for what you are trying to do to me, but I will never harm you. Verse 15, he says, May the Lord therefore judge which one of us is right and punish the guilty one. He is my advocate and he will rescue me from your power. So David makes this public statement, this public showing by saying, Hey, Saul, I had this opportunity. I had, you know, basically... Um, i had the motive you know i had the opportunity that's really how you convict someone of a crime in court (laughs) you know you reveal they had the motive and the opportunity they are guilty so just because you can do it doesn't mean you should that's the whole point of this story here okay david really had the right to do what he chose not to because he was aiming at a higher purpose so he said he makes this public declaration and it does two things first of all it builds in future accountability because he says he doesn't say I didn't do it this time but wait till next time no he says I will never harm you so he's building in another barrier to getting into his own way later on because what if he has an opportunity later to kill Saul well he's already said publicly in front of a few thousand people he's not going to so now he's built in accountability automatically it's a pretty good move and the second reason he does this is really David taking the high road here humiliates King Saul I mean, he has to tuck his tail between his legs and go back home and kind of lay off David at least for a while because David's now clearly not a threat. He said, I'm not going to touch you. I'm not, God's going to judge between you and me who's doing right and who's doing wrong. I think we know implied here what he's saying. You know, David's right, Saul is wrong. And so publicly now he's saying, hey, I'm not a threat, so you can come after me if you want, but God's going to judge you. So I would imagine that Saul's now got to be like, Ugh. You know, it's just the worst day ever. Kind of the best day for a minute for Saul because he's still alive. And then the worst day. And it all, be, it all came down to David paying attention to the tension. And we have to do the same thing. Again, in our heart, we usually know what we should do. We usually know what we shouldn't do. It's a matter of do we pay attention when that moment of decision actually arrives in our hearts, in our minds, in our spirits. Do we, are we like David? Do we pay attention? So here's the thing. You may feel weird about something in, in a relationship you have. Like feel weird about it for a minute like don't just let's just zoom through this and not even deal with the problem just just you know ignore everything that's going on let's ignore the tugging in my heart that says I should do this or I shouldn't do that or I should say this or I shouldn't say that like let it feel weird for a while until you decide what the right thing is to do again even with like a purchase, so we can get our own way financially because we're like click, 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 click. You know, slide, 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 slide. It's like we don't really see the money that we're. It's we. we it's you know, we all are in that boat. Amazon is is like the antichrist, I think, in some ways. Okay, uh, for that reason, if you're listening, which I know you are, you know, we're you know, uh the drones are overhead right now with their laser beams on me. <laughs> but we can do that in every area. So when you're like, uh, I'm gonna click to buy 17 of those. J- feel the tension really quickly and then just think just stop just stop and think for a second maybe you're in the middle of a business deal and you're like something doesn't feel right something's fishy here or you know because you've drawn up the business deal you know that you're taking advantage of someone you're like mm, maybe let's rewrite that clause there let's rethink it just doesn't feel right let it feel weird pay attention to the tension any decision that we have to make any choice that we face when there's sort of that tug that pull something's off something's wrong don't push it down pay attention to the tension again I'll say I'll say this again the the, the why is because every step we take matters because it leads to an eventual destination for better, or for worse. Every decision that we make leads to a final destination for better or for worse. Pay attention to the tension. So if you find yourself, I keep making the same mistake over and over and over, maybe the next time that situation comes up, stop and think and pray and just breathe. Because what we do is we just get so used to living a certain way, even if it's crummy and terrible, we just deal with it because that's just how it is well, what if I paid attention this time and maybe tried something different? What if instead of door number one, number one, number one, that's the same heartache and disappointment and frustration and anger, what if I tried door number two? What if I stopped long enough to think and breathe and pay attention to the tension? Or maybe you find yourself, again, we think, we don't think about it in terms, it's a little thing, it's a little choice, it's a little step, but Those are taking you a certain direction. And so maybe you find yourself, you know, from where you were a year ago, thinking, how did I get in this mess? Again, retrace the steps. Where was that moment? You can't get back to that moment, but you can maybe put a fork in the road from where you are now to get to a different destination that's how we stay out of our own way it's really the first step and this is the easiest one the next two are going to be more difficult so if we can kind of start to master this even a little bit and cut down on you know the way we don't want to go even a little bit it's just going to make this thing called life so much better so much freer and really you know the old testament here it used this word conscience but I, I believe that god spoke to david in that cave I believe that he gives us that same opportunity. Now, God did hardwire us, I think, with a conscience. We all have that. But if you're a person of faith, you have that plus the Holy Spirit with a megaphone saying, Stop it! Don't do that! Delete that! Don't say that! Don't go there! Don't align with them! All the time. And we either choose to ignore what the Holy Spirit says, or we pay attention to that tension and that is i think the first and probably the simplest what, the simplest key to getting and staying out of our own way